Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back to 32 Fans, a podcast where if you don't show the proper respect to my co-host, uh, you will be fined. So stand up and welcome Keeve uh, Wienerker. Keeve, welcome. How are you doing today? You can't call me Keeve Wienerker. You gotta go like, you could call me yeah, Keeve or Keeve Wienerker. I, I need to be formal. All right. Uh, well, all right. Let me try that again then. Uh, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, yet another man who will not be meeting with Kim Jong-un, Akiva Wienerker. Yeah, I hope this comes out in three That's weeks. Breaking news! I, by I the hope way. that comes out. This podcast comes out in three weeks. So, uh, it's, uh, I'm breaking news. Yeah, that's happening as we're recording. Let's not date. Who cares? Let's not date this show. This is we got some gold coming up. Let's not let's not date it. We don't, we're not going to do the PTI sports segments. We're going straight into music today. People always say like your sports take your sports takes are bad. That's what we always get. Your, your sports takes are wrong. Yeah. Well, at least one of us. Like you know, some people are Team Chester. Some people are uh, are smart. And then. They, but it's like talk about something other than sports, and then we'll get like good iTunes reviews. People saying their sports stuff is okay, but I really like when they argue and make lists. So today is no sports, and I maybe people will like this episode, even though it's not like a lots of arguments, a lot of arguments. This was not a, to- a topic that either of us like. We could pretend to be experts. We claim to be experts about sports. We could pretend to be experts about like food or movies or television shows, but we're objectively not music experts at all. That's correct. Although we will have some music experts to help yeah, us out. But my only music take is that I know more about music than you and you like think that's insane. Well, okay, so hold on. So okay, you like to claim your claim to fame is you always say that that I hate music. You're a music you hater and that I famously okay. have great taste in music. Okay. Those two facts have been established okay. on this uh, show. <laughs> 201 episodes. What what I what I think you mean mm. is like in all genres of pop culture or history or sports or anything, you're sort of ignorant of anything that happened before, like, the 90s. So I know infinitely more about music from the 60s, 70s, 80s than you do. Uh, you for sure know a lot more about music than I do from the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. But part of that, and I, I won't apologize for this, mm-hmm. other than, like, pop, like top 40, like, music that's so big culturally that, like, it gets into my yeah. ears, I have not seeked to download a single song that has come out in the last 15 years. I'm not interested. I have enough music. I have 8,000 songs on my on my old iPod from uh, from from college. Like I'll never I'll never have enough time Imagine to Imagine somebody songs saying this about television like I already have NYPD Blue on my DVR. But, okay, but that's I don't need to watch the, okay, you know, that, the, the that's an ass. That's an asinine thing. To it's say the same thing. Music is no. It's music not. is better no, now no, than it was in the 1980s. But, but your argument essentially is that after you listen to a song once, you're done with it, and that's obviously not how it works. With 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 books and television and movies and stand up comedy and all those genres, once you've 
uh, once you've appreciated something and consumed it, you know, you might come back to it once or twice, but you're not going to come back to it over and over and over again. But songs you do, right? Like the difference between a concert and stand-up is when you go to a concert, all you want to do is hear the songs, your favorite songs. And when the guy gets up and says, oh, and here's one for my new album, everybody gets up and goes to the bathroom. Mm. With stand-up, it's the opposite. If a stand-up comedian starts saying a joke you've heard before, you're like, boo. Right. right? I don't know because you, so, but yeah. <laughs> but um, so that's that's the purpose of my take. I'm not saying there, there might be good music out today. I just don't care. I don't need it. Right? I mean, it's an, I awful, I, I, it's an awful take, but I, I respect it in the, like, not respect so, it at all type of way. So, like, so so all my favorite bands are from the 60s and 70s, you know, like, you know, I guess I'm almost like my parents' generation in terms of my musical taste. Mm. And you've never heard of those bands. Like, you openly hate the Beatles because you think, like, I don't even know, like, enter name of some random 2000s band. You know, you think Vampire Weekend is better than the Beatles. Greta Van Fleet, already better than the Beatles. See, you don't even get that, but it, people like it. Uh, yeah, I have. No, I probably have no. Yeah, they're like the Justin Bieber approved, artist. like Led Zeppelin cover band, okay. basically that just played Coachella. I know a popular artist basically when they come on SNL, pretty much. <laughs> well, SNL actually has some indie bands that like never haven't blown up or never blow up. They they sort of like if we've yeah. discussed this, but if SNL is a famous guest, they have usually have a not famous musician and vice versa. Uh, anyway, my wife is she knows by heart. The lyrics of every single song that came up between like 1980 and 1998, mm. because like she just she knows it's unbelievable how much, but she knows so little about music from any other any other like time period before or after. She said to me a couple days ago, and this is true. She said to me, "Did you know that Childish Gambino is Donald Glover?" All right. Well, listen. She's busy taking care of your three dumb sons. I mean, not your kids aren't dumb. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're not taking care of them. Um, the yeah. my, well, how about this? I I my I told my wife about this podcast, and she's like, "Well, what are like the like the best bands? Like, what are your top bands?" And then I I, I decided to play a game with her. So I would name a band, and say, "Can you name one song that they sing?" Here some here uh-huh. are some of the bands that she could not name a, a song from of, of theirs. The Beatles. No, come she on. could not name a Beatles song. Led Zeppelin, okay. The Rolling Stones, okay, Pink Floyd. Come on, she didn't know The Who. I mean, she didn't know any uh, of it. my favorite so band. Your wife is, so, so your wife is the music as you are to real life. Completely helpless. <laughs> yeah, to me, to changing attire, basically. <laughs> um, you know, so my my wife's best friend, and uh, you know, I'm really hoping that she or no one who knows her listens to this point. Very nice girl. Mm. Uh, so she once, <laughs> she was once with my wife and me and my family came over to my cousin's house for a meal. I don't know why my wife's friend was with us. The conversation came about about the Beatles, and she and, and this is a girl who's our age, right? Mm-hmm. She's not like a teenager. She had never heard of John Lennon or Paul McCartney. Okay. She those names were completely foreign to her. And my aunt got so mad that she turns to me and she says, "Who is this person who you brought into my house?" Yeah. <laughs> so. uh yeah, uh, maybe Mary and Jane can be friends. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, actually, can, now that I'm insulting her, can I tell you one more thing? So yeah. that girl. Can she come on the podcast and we just, like, ask ask her things that she doesn't know? <laughs> we were once talking about how, you know, like, parents, you know, when they would put their kids' their kids' dogs to sleep, you know, you tell your kids, oh, he went off to live on a farm, mm-hmm. right? So we were talking about that, and this girl says, I mean, it's almost like a movie. She says, that's so funny because my dog actually did go to live on a farm. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> and she was like 25. And we looked wow. at her and, and Jen's like, like, I don't want to say her name. Peggy. Jen's like, Peggy, mm. are you serious? And, and she's like, no, no, Jen, no, he really did. I, I don't know. I mean, this girl probably still lives in Santa Claus. So, Wait, uh, Time out. 
You know how there's a, I don't believe in this, but there is a sort of a stereotype of like a lot of times pretty girls will surround themselves with less pretty girls. So for pictures, like if you were a 10, you'd want to surround yourselves with like six and a halves or sevens. Is that what Jen's doing? Like intellectually, she's a 10, so she wants to surround herself with like threes and fours. (laughs) I mean, one of her roommates in college, one of the other ones Mm. was significantly dumber. (laughs) This is not, this is not a great advertisement for the University of Michigan. (laughs) <laughs> That's a good point, actually. We got, we got, we got brainiacs like Jen and uh, and Robbie Weisenfeld, yeah. and that we got, we got the other side of the coin. Yeah, this this, this other roommate of hers, she uh, <laughs> she she had she didn't know what the word cunnilingus meant. Okay, I don't know where this story is going to go. Uh, anyways, yeah, it's probably not going anywhere good because we're here to talk about music and we have serious guests, so let's let's keep this child. Friendly. Okay. <laughs> I do want the dumb friend to come on a podcast though. Defend yourself. <laughs> All right, Keith. Jen's into like science. What does she talk to her friend about, though? That's what I want to know. All right, Keith. So let's get to the the main topic at hand today. So a couple of weeks ago, there was just this phenomenal, epic uh, article on Vulture. It was all 214 uh, musical artists in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, ranked from best to worst, which could not be more up my alley, up your alley. And I was so embarrassed. Somebody actually asked me on Twitter just a couple days ago how I feel when I see a ranking of something that I haven't previously done. And if it's like a really bad ranking, like the New York Times' stupid ranking yesterday of like uh, good foods for road trips, then I ignore it. But if it's a ranking like this, I immediately become shamed that I hadn't made it myself. Uh, Obviously, I know dramatically less about music than uh, Bill Wyman, uh, the person who wrote the article. But I still was inspired to quickly put together my own list. Then you put together your list, and then we started fighting about them. And so we decided to do a podcast about this. And have on the podcast uh, none other than Bill Wyman. So first of all, Bill, I just want to say welcome to the podcast. Having the name Bill Wyman, which is obviously the name of, a, of, of the basis of the Rolling Stones, it's almost like being like a basketball writer whose name is Oscar Robertson. A little so. bit, sort of like that. Not quite Oscar Robertson, but it comes up every once in yeah. a while. And um, But in the music yeah. industry, it's never been a big deal. And I don't know if you guys know this, but about 10 or 15 years ago, Bill Wyman tried to sue me. He sent a cease and desist <laughs> wow. letter. For what? For having yeah. your name? Saying that I wasn't <laughs> supposed to write under my own name. <laughs> there was that running parents. back, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, <laughs> who was sued by the basketball player, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. But the running back changed his name to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So you, uh, obviously, you've been Bill Wyman for a while. I'd say, I don't know, you might not be, be as good a bassist as him, probably but I'm looking not. at your Twitter picture. You got like a Noah Wiley thing going on. So I would say you're probably a better look, the better looking Bill Wyman, at least. <laughs> <laughs> He's done pretty well for himself, I have to say. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, so Bill, uh, you know, you were the, the co-founder of Sound Opinions, the Chicago Public Radio uh, music uh, radio show, uh, former art editor of Salon and NPR. But it was this piece of vulture that, I mean, it was just, it was it really impressive. It was like longer than like, even like Akiva's like Deadspin articles <laughs> about uh, the Olympics. So it was really impressive. But we've had you on here. We, we're having you on here to argue also because I know that both Kiva and I, uh, you know, a lot of your comments, we agree with some, we disagree with. Again, with full disclosure, we know you've forgotten more about music than we know. Uh, but uh, you'll have to listen to some ignorance from That's us fine. probably. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone has an opinion. But thank you for wasting your That's time okay. with us today. Yeah. I like talking music. All right. So let's jump right into this. Uh, I think, uh, Keith, do you want to start at the very bottom of Bill's list? I think we should start. Well, let's. I would leave it up to Bill, but I would rather start at the top. But it's Bill's list. Should we start at one or should we start at two fourteen? I think one. <laughs> it's a little less controversial at the beginning, and it probably gets more. So it'll get more interesting as we go. I on. agree. I agree. I think. Yeah. I think the controversy <laughs> in your list, and we'll talk about this, like in terms of like if you got any feedback. I I mentioned that we're doing this, and people were looking at the list who hadn't seen it yet, and. 
they had some uh, they had some opinions. So we'll we'll, we'll get to we'll get to those too. But again, most of those opinions, nobody's going to say. Well, Bill thinks the Beatles are great. That's a stupid opinion. Obviously, we didn't get any of that. Um, the 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 hot takes and the the controversy, as you said, will be in the one eighty to two fourteen range, probably. So yeah, let's start at number one. Uh, Bill has Chuck Berry number one. We'll post a link to his whole article because I imagine most of our listeners don't know all 214 members of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame off the top of their heads. So you could, uh, you know, you could either Wikipedia or just look at his article, and it'll, it'll uh, there's a list of every article, but le- of, of every uh, musical group. But you start, you pick Chuck Berry as your number one. Do do you think there's uh, was there any controversy there? Do you think this is some people said, "Ooh, that's a hot take." Do you think uh, this was an, a slam dunk number one, or did you really have to think about it? Yes and no, and and it, there's all as I say in the article, there's all these sliding scales that you could say importance, musical excellence, influence, all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, one point I want to make at the beginning is that hey, the difference between number twenty and thirty isn't that big of a deal. The difference between fifty <laughs> and sixty-five. I mean, we're talking about groups of of um, relative. Uh, importance, right? And the reason I edged um, Barry to number one is that he and I wrote a big story in New York Magazine about this about a year or two ago before he died. Is that he and he sort of invented the idea of rock and roll? That rock and roll was this mythical—I use the word mythopoeic thing. That there's that song called School Days. Remember that song, School Days? Ring, ring goes the bell, and we go to the soda shop yeah. after school. Mm-hmm. And at the very end of it, for no reason at all, he says, Hail, hail, rock and roll. Hail, hail, rock and roll. And he was the guy who kind of, it, and we take it for granted now, you know, we understand we say rock and roll, it means something. And he's the guy who first said, Wow, rock means something. You know, the image of Johnny B. Good, a guy standing on stage with a guitar. He came up with that. You know, you think, oh, yeah, everyone knows about the guy standing on stage with a guitar, the rock star. Well, Chuck Berry invented it. And he also drew it all out of America. You know, when Johnny B. Good is sitting there, he was strumming to the rhythm of the train going by. You know, and the train is obviously a metaphor for America and manifest destiny. And, and he's drawing his musical rock and roll ability out of America. And I thought that sort of big picture thinking you got to give him credit for kind of saying, hey, rock and roll is this thing, and we should understand the implications of it. So that's why I put him number one. Do you think most people yeah, assumed you'd pick, a- you'd, sorry, do you think most people assumed you'd pick the Beatles at one? Yeah, Beatles or Elvis, Presley, and you can make the case for any of those top four. Probably James Brown, too, though he obviously funk is a little bit off the the mainstream but Beatles, Dylan, Presley, Barry, you can basically you can toss them up in a heap, you know. Right. There's yeah, no, there's you no know, knock on there's, any of them for being number 4, right? right? Yeah, absolutely not. Yeah, there's there's nothing in your top 10 that that I had, you know, uh, very low on my list. So no big disagreements there. But I want to get to number 6 on your list, which is Prince. So Akiva and I had a big fight about Prince when he died. It became pretty clear that Prince is like every artist's favorite artist. And so like every sort of musician seems to like revere Prince and there's like legendary stories about like when he would get up on stage when other artists were in the room. And but but it seems like because he didn't have really maybe as big of a cultural like uh, impact as like a Michael Jackson, he was by people like my wife, for example, you know, sort of disrespected him. But I was shocked. Keith, you have Prince all the way down at one one. Well, yeah, I had him basically in the middle. I mean, obviously that's silly, and that's part of my anti-Prince take. Uh, Bill, you should know that Chester's from Minnesota, so he's a big uh, homer yeah. for anything Minnesota-based. <laughs> uh, and it was, to me, so I I actually did. Uh, I I compiled for all two fourteen. Um, I don't know if you've ever, if you're a New Yorker, or if you've ever lived in New York, but, uh, Bill. But um, the the local classic rock station, one hundred four three, always does a uh, top thousand forty three songs of of the year. 
countdown, which doesn't change too much because it's a classic rock station. Uh, so, you know, one might become two, but there aren't a lot of new entries onto the list. Um, so I compiled, like, how many from this 1043, which is voted on online, how many songs uh, does, uh, you know, does Band X place on the list? So, for example, number one is no surprise, is no surprise. The Beatles have 57 songs ah. that are on this you know, yeah. top thousand yeah. list, yeah. which is just an absolutely ludicrous number. That, you know, 50, right. 57, like, still popular uh, songs. Now, Prince has zero. Uh, and by the way, I would argue that's even low because, like, it, coming across a Beatles song I don't recognize is almost like a Seinfeld episode I haven't seen. It happens so rarely, but when it does, I'm, like, shocked. I'm like, how, how have I not heard this song before? It's like... They, their songs are so ubiquitous that if there's one that's not, that's the surprise. Yeah, and okay, but Doshi also think it's a self-fulfilling prophecy that, that white rock radio is racist and they don't play black people. So they never, mm-hmm. even the really adventuresome stations like WXRT in Chicago were really didn't play that much Prince. Even um, K-Rock back in the day, I bet you didn't have that much of Prince on. And so there's always been this color divide. He's a little more um, black even than Michael Jackson. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't think that's a appropriate metric. And, and the thing about Prince is that he's so talented. I mean, he's just, you know, he just, he just did everything. You know, he wrote and produced and performed his own albums. I mean, he has so many hits. And, you know, when he stopped having hits, it was almost like he almost couldn't be bothered. Songs he threw away, like Nothing Compared to You, would become the biggest song of the year. Um, I don't know. Just to me, he's a kaleidoscopic talent, and I and I really actively dislike his last ten or twenty years. I had no patience for him. But I mean, he had no hits basically after what nineteen eighty eight or nineteen eighty three or whatever and, it was. And I think that he probably just squeezed some things we just haven't even heard of. But you know, after like Cream and all that jazz, um, I so I totally agree that he became very annoying. And even his shows kind of became annoying because he was one of these guys. He played like forty five seconds of twelve songs in a row and you know, just go into these long funk jams. So I understand he became a very irritating person. But boy, I mean, he was a the, big the only other one you, The only other one you have in the top 20 that I did not have, you know, relatively high was Bo Diddley. And I have to confess here, this one seems like it's sort of like a founder's role, and I just don't know a lot about Bo Diddley. So tell us about oh, Bo Diddley. No, seriously, so there's a link um, that I put in there, and there's an old movie called um, The Tammy Show. And let me tell you, I mean, you know, there was a lot of racism in America in the 50s and 60s. And, you know, rock and roll created all this stuff. And I'm telling you, I mean, I don't care who you are. If you're like a dad and you saw Bo Diddley, someone like Bo Diddley playing that music, which was so tribal and so scary. And and I don't mean that blacks are scary or anything like this. I mean, I mean, like the music is so crazy. Um, it's just breathtaking to this day. And but Bo Diddley is actually this good natured, hilarious guy. And um he, he did these, you know, all those songs that, you know, are the basis, you know, that shaven haircut two beat bits riff, you know, doom to doom to doom to doom 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 to doom to doom. He did that, you know, which, you know, Bruce Springsteen does and everybody did. And then, as I mentioned in there, when you guys should totally check out these songs, Say Man and Say Man Back Again, where he and his Morocco, Morocco's player, Jerome, sit there and insult each other for like six minutes. And it's so good. Man, you look like you've been hit with an ugly stick. And then they just do this back and forth. And then he has these beautiful ballads. And he's just like one of these super guys who just did everything. And uh, and all the, back in the day, everyone, Buddy Holly, all those people completely bowed down to him because he he created this magnificent music. So give honestly, give him a chance. 
I wanted to ask you, um, so actually right after Bo Diddley on your list from 18 to 19 is Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. Uh, just in general, not so much about Grandmaster Flash, but more the idea of whereas it looked like the whole the the Rock and Roll of Fame to start, although they include a lot of blues musicians, uh, is basically like it could almost be termed like a classic rock Hall of Fame, right? There's there's you know there's just such a predominance of classic rock musicians. Yeah. Um. But and now because uh, hip hop is a new is is a newer uh, musical form, and you know, and you have the twenty five year waiting gap before you could get into the Hall of Fame, more and more. Um, more, more and more uh, hip hop artists and rappers are going to be in the hall. And and at, at the end of this podcast, Chester and I uh, run down a, uh, a you know a list, and there's an astounding number of uh, of of rappers from Jay Z and and uh, you know Notorious B.I.G. who's who's not in, but Tupac is, who are probably going to get in the, in the next decade. But what do you think about in terms of genres of uh, of where the hall is going? And how you classify, you know, how, how you sort of weigh non-rock musicians. And there's a lot at this point, I think, of non-rock musicians versus, uh, you know, a lot of the a, a lot of the classic rock bands that are that are sort of the the, you know, the predominant sort of uh, wing of the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And I'd like to know what you guys think, too, because it's a complicated issue, because in a, you can really make a strong case that hip hop is different from rock. That it's just it's just completely different and it's an offshoot. Okay, so that's one position. And two, you can also make the the thing that rock and roll is a big tent. That's you know, let's bring everybody in. Um, when when Run DMC came along, they did that song King of Rock, which just blew everyone away. That here's these black hip hop artists. There was a lot of suspicion in the rock community toward hip hop, of course, um, because you know it tends to be kind of racist. And so, so every, that really came across as this incredible sort of hand across the divide, which I think, you know, was reciprocated by Aerosmith with the big Walk This Way single. Um, and I think the Hall's doing it somewhat cynically that they don't want to be just the Moody Blues and Jethro Tull and Yes and Journey and that, that this shows people that, look, rock and roll came out of black music. It should respect it moving forward. So, so I'm pretty, I'm a little, I respect the whole idea that hip hop could just claim its own. But I also like the idea of rock being a big tent. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think we're plowing any new ground here, but it's pretty clear that sort of the history of American popular music is basically, you know, it, you know, from jazz to, to blues to rock and roll to hip hop is, is music that sort of starts in sort of a black subculture and then like white America finds out about it and sort of co-ops it. And it seems at this point the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is a misnomer. It's it's just sort of the the popular music Hall of Fame, and so the genre will continue to probably evolve. But you know, at this point, it, it would be sort of weird for them to stop putting like hip hop artists in the Hall of Fame when they've already put you know. Like, yeah, sort they of can't, and they couldn't move on and kind of put Eminem in without having Grandmaster Flash. So it's just kind yeah. of a. Um, and these guys, they're up so high because one thing I tried to do is like if you if you were the innovator you know if you're doing something that no one had done before you really mm. got you know grandmaster flash doesn't have a career like the rolling stones you know they don't have 10 really good albums and five great albums or anything like this but wow i i mean i grew up through that era and you heard that and the world was slightly you know what i mean you went to school the next day and the world was different it was you know it wasn't derivative it was something new and i also give points to them and the ramones like anyone who kind of takes rock back to the elements you know and just kind of says wait a minute things have gone too far let's get it back down to like the most primal stupid basic kind of thing to begin building on i really give people props for that too because that's hard to do 
All right, so let me let's let's start getting into a little bit of a fight here. So there are five five artists that I have in my top ten that you have outside the top forty, uh, and so you tell me why you uh, have Absolutely. these guys so much lower. And 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 I'll I'll be completely honest here. I I'm not looking at it purely. You know, obviously you're a music critic. I'm not looking at it purely from a musician's perspective, but cultural impact as well. Because you know, for better or for worse, it's called like the Hall of Fame, and so fame and cultural impact beyond just music is part of what I take into account. So number four on my list is uh, Michael Jackson, who uh, you have down at number fifty-eight. And when when I showed that to my wife, she uh, she, she wanted to cut somebody. So really, well, the number. <laughs> tell her, tell her I said the numbers don't lie. The, um, the, the, the here's the thing, and I and I explained this in the piece, and I really like Michael Jackson. I did a essay I was really proud of about him in the New Yorker six or seven years ago and you know what a figure the things he did were amazing but when like when a kid you got to remember that when a kid in the 1950s or a kid in the early 60s when they went out and bought a beatles record or an elvis presley record they nothing like that had ever happened before right like kids in 1955 no one ever got out and taken a record by this this music that completely threatened society with a white guy singing like black people okay and it, it, and the same with the Beatles, the things that were happening, um, and you know, and to a lesser extent, even the Sex Pistols. I mean, when the Sex Pistols came out, police would break into record stores and tear down displays. That 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 I don't know if you know this. That that there was a top ten list on the BBC in the in 1977 or 76, and the Sex Pistols had the number two song in in England, and but the BBC refused to play it, so they put a blank line at number two. Okay, these are things that like society was really against. And so Michael Jackson, when he did Thriller, he'd been a big star for 15 years. He was this cuddly little kid. His last record had sold 8 million records. And, you know, and I mean, him and Quincy Jones, I mean, come on, consummate pop artist. That's a masterwork of pop rock uh, um, production. And, you know, Michael Jackson stepped up and wrote Billie Jean. I mentioned in there, you know, Madonna doesn't, Madonna never wrote a number one single for herself. Okay. Michael Jackson wrote eight number one singles, I think, or maybe it's even 13 or maybe that's top tens or something like that. Um, you know, he, he was great, but just in the general context of thing, he was this really big star and he became famous and, you know, and, and a lot of his people say, Oh my God, he broke all these barriers. And I'm like, you know, I, I appreciate the whole MTV thing and all this stuff, but it what you know, Stevie Wonder was the biggest star of the 70s. He was, he was black last time I looked, you know, there's always been popular black ingratiating artists. And so I downplayed him because he's not groundbreaking and he wasn't doing anything. He was trying to sell records, right? Which is great. And pop artists should try to sell records. I don't have anything against it, but you know, I'm going to, I'm not going to put him up there with Prince. Um, but you have like you have like the band way ahead of them, and like the band to me is like you know a solid classic rock band that has you know a couple of good songs. But you know, are you really arguing that the band is more important in terms of the history of music, uh, popular music in America than Michael Jackson? Okay, yes, and but let me make this clear. <laughs> just, just, just I want to explain the terminology so people understand. There's rock and roll and there's pop. There's always been pop okay. music. There's always been ingratiating, romanticized, emotional music based on three or four set themes. You know, I love you, I love you, but you left me, I'm happy, I'm happy because you're coming. You know, there's like five templates for pop music that's been going on since the late 1800s, okay? And everyone works it on out in all these different ways. And so rock is slightly different from pop, and Michael Jackson is obviously an important rock artist. He's a consummate pop artist, like, you know, the Pop Hall of Fame. You know, maybe he's up there with Irving Berlin and Paul McCartney and... 
you know, there are people who can kind of wear different hats. So as a pop, so you're you're fighting against sort of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame turning into just sort of a generic pop. Hall. Yeah, and pop deserves you know uh, you can make the case for ABBA. ABBA to me is a pure pop band. Okay, <laughs> right. it's pure. Yeah. Whereas now the car, remember the Carpenters, and mm-hmm. I think in a weird way you can make the case that the Carpenters they played so- soft rock, which is slightly different from pop, but they were a real band. They had a girl drummer. She sang. They became famous. You know, and they happened to play schmaltzy kind of shitty music, but. I mean, they were a real "quote unquote" rock band, um, you know, and they played some pop songs too, right? They sang Burt Bacharach songs and yada yada. But um, so I'm making these kind of I Michael Jackson probably might be the number one pop star of all time, but in terms of rock stars, since he didn't do anything innovative, he you know he was influential. A lot of people copied him, but he was trying to be famous, you know. Elvis, nobody like you know like you know Colonel Park and those guys around Elvis thought they might make some Elvis money off of Elvis, right? Brian Epstein believed in the Beatles and he, you know, blah, blah, blah. But their whole career is all these people going, ah, uh-uh, ah, no way. You know, like, it's just different back then. You know, they're fighting against, and you got to remember back in the 50s, there's no cell phones. You know, when you're trying to tour, you're trying to get to radio stations, there's no internet. You know, like, Elvis Presley's popularity grew, you know, in a way that we can't even imagine today. And and the fact that Michael Jackson had the Sony behind him, he had an 8 million selling record, and he had Quincy Jones, and, you know, he was trying to sell records, and I, I think that's a little suspicious to me. All right, and then what about, like, what about Bruce Springsteen, though? Like, he's a, he's a consummate rock yeah. star, you would yeah. acknowledge, yeah, right? Yeah, Bruce, it's, like, really hard. And, <laughs> okay, so let me cop out one in one little way saying, you know, hey, the difference between 30 and 50 isn't that big of a deal, number one. Here and yeah. here's the main reason. But the difference between like fifty and like twelve or ten. Yeah, or, there's a difference there. Right. So here's the thing that that Bruce is a guy. He 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 kind of said, "Wow, Van Morrison. Wow, the girl groups. Wow, Elvis Presley. Wow, Buddy Holly." And he kind of put them all together. And he had John Landau and those people helping him. And and you know he also had his own personal vision. Totally. But it was this kind of what I call recombinant that that he was kind of putting these pieces together that have come before and made the, you know, built a better robot. Robot isn't the right word, but he built a better art, 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 artisanal basis for it. Right. Foundation. And so I, I just kind of knock him down a little bit just because he, you know, he, he, he just putting these pieces together and he kind of wasn't his own visionary um, whatever. And his first records were very romanticized, even though they were, you know, the wordplay was obviously, you know, coming out in a torrent and stuff like that. So I just kind of thought, I mean, he's a great guy. I grew up with him. I, you know, come on, he's the greatest and yada, yada. But in terms of being a great, important, like, I don't think rock would be that different if he wasn't, if he had never existed. You know what I mean? Like, there'd be, you know, there'd be a Mellencamp. lot of disappointed, there'd be a lot of disappointed, like, 46-year-old white yeah, guys, though. Me too. David Brooks, you know, would be really upset. And, um, there yeah, and, every, be, and every sports writer. Yeah, every sports writer. And there wouldn't be a John Cougar Mellencamp. But, and I'm being a little flip because I love Springsteen, and he's obviously one of the greatest and most important artists of all time. But I kind of knocked him down a little bit just because he wasn't innovative. He wasn't, um, but, you know, he's also important in rock in a lot of ways. Like, he, in a way, he was like Elvis with a brain. I think people like Landau and Dave Marsh kind of saw that he was he was this amazing commodity and he really got this thing around him to kind of protect him and make sure he evolved. You know, it sounds a little condescending, which isn't appropriate, but um, he did have, you know, people around him saw that, wow, this is an important person. And, you know, so obviously he screwed up a lot less than most people has. 
So now, Keith, I know like when we did our hot take off a couple of months ago, mm-hmm. you had some ridiculous hot take about the Beatles not being any good, which you know drove me nuts. And so I didn't I say that. I said that. I said that I personally don't listen to the Beatles. Okay, but but you conceded. I think you told me that they should be number one. On They're number screen, one on my list, a hundred percent. They're number one on my okay, list. Okay, fine. Okay, fine. So so you've acquiesced. Now Michael Jackson. Also, I know that you have him number one on your list of like preferred babysitters. But oh, as an artist, like where 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 would you put him on this list? Well, would he also be in the top ten for you? I, Bill, I have Michael Jackson at two fourteen. I have him uh, dead last uh, on this list. I'm gonna explain what? why. Okay, I'm gonna explain why. What? Oh my god! Now this How is a, this is actually an interesting off? conversation. I was um. Oh my god, that's the hottest take of all. Oh no, here, here's the deal. Okay, so at number sixteen, Bill has Ike and Tina Turner. Now Ike Turner was a bad guy, right? I, I think everyone everyone okay. acknowledges Ike Turner not a great guy. But maybe we don't punish Tina Turner because Ike not a great guy. Similarly, uh, you know Led Zeppelin's right there at uh, where are they? I think fourteen, fifteen, thirteen, somewhere around there. You know, I think Jimmy Page not a great guy. John Bonham definitely not a good guy, right? Right. Um, but I don't think we need to punish the entire band of Led Zeppelin. I, I imagine most groups, once you get to four or five members, uh, you know, they had some had some bad actors in the '60s or '70s. Yeah. To me, Michael Jackson. So I don't know if you're a football fan, um, Bill, but there was an argument that that went a little viral a few years ago. There was a player uh, who was not who would not who is not a Hall of Fame caliber player, but he's probably the tier after that. And there was a big argument over whether he should be eligible because. He was accused of, of rape in, I think, six different states. Like just Who, an, Darren Sharper? Darren, Darren Sharper. Just a ridiculously— First of all, he would, he would be in the Hall of Fame already if not for that. So, okay. Yeah. But, well, um, I but, think we can agree but, that's best punishment enough. The, 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 to me, I just—you know, I, when I was younger, this, I, it, was, uh, it was very light reading. I read all the old Vanity Fair articles from the 90s about Michael Jackson and all those— Oh, yeah, the Marine uh, Orthodox articles, those, yeah. Yeah, all those—I all those, mean, there, I believe there were multiple children that described Michael Jackson's genitals correctly, like, in detail. The, there's no real—Michael Jack—people don't realize this. Michael Jackson, like, moved in with some, like, very poor family in Los right, Angeles. Okay, okay, okay. And well, the, well, this well, is an insane story. He moved in with, like, a, with, to, like, a two-bedroom house in L.A. for, like, six months. So we could like sleep in the yeah. the bed of something. The He's a monster. Yeah. He's a monster. Okay. Why are we putting okay. him in the okay. Hall of Fame? All... He shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. He is Wait, a horrible okay. person. Yeah. I mean, I believe his dad more than him. Honestly, I think his dad really fucked him up. And to me, I'm it sure. Never been... I'm sure yeah. it came from somewhere. But I can I, I was never. I was never like in bed with him. It struck me as more like infantilization than sexual. But. We're leaving that aside. Not a great guy, not a great babysitter. But what does that have to do with his performance as a musical I artist? Like, okay, so it's a good question. There, so there was just a big uh, sort of... You so know, you want OJ out of the Football Hall of Fame, I guess? There was... A, OJ's innocent. You want all the racists, <laughs> OJ, you want all the racists out of the Baseball Michael Hall Jackson of Fame? Michael Jackson bought himself out of the Baseball Hall Michael of Fame? Michael Jackson bought himself out of the trial. OJ went to trial, was found innocent. I don't want him out because he pulled okay. the gun on someone for a jersey. Right. This is ridiculous. I think it's fair for you to say that when Michael Jackson died, the universal tributes he received was, did made not me throw up. Have, it was crazy. Did, okay, did not have the nuance and looking at like all. The, do you all know what would happen, Bill? Do you know what would happen in the Me okay. Too era if Michael? J- He's so lucky he died early. Do you know what would happen if 
in Me Too 2017, yeah. 2018 yeah. for Michael Jackson, it would not have been great. He would have had to delete his Twitter account. That's for sure. Michael Jackson. It's kind of funny. I, my little position on this is slightly different and that what pisses me off more than anything, it's when people write the media, because I'm a journalist and I care about media kind of more than anything else, is that when people write about these guys and they don't say what happened. Like they say, you know, Roman Polanski won Best Director last night and he was accused of some sexual indiscretions a long time ago, wink, wink, right? right. But if it said Roman Polanski, who lured a 13-year-old girl to yes. a deserted mansion, gave her yep. quaaludes, gave her champagne, stripped her, raped her, and then anally raped her, and then fled the country before getting sentencing, comma. This is a children's comma, podcast, by the way, Bill. <laughs> comma, won the best yeah. director at the Oscars sure. last night. Like, that should be the lead. Right. They and, make it seem like uh, like he, she told me she was 16, and really she was 15 yeah. and, and 300 days. Like, no. And they say, our, and this whole thing with R. Kelly for all this time, that people yes. say, oh, he had this whole thing. But actually, there's about a dozen attested, pretty, you know, people things of him with, with underage girls and stuff like this. So, and by the way, I, by the way, I think R. Kelly will never get in because of that. I think he is too toxic. I do not think he would ever get into this whole thing, which I think he would at least be a candidate for. I don't know if he would have gotten in on his own volition, but he certainly I mean, would have been discussed. Right. I, I don't think not being in the rock and roll hall of fame is like the uh, correct yeah. punishment. Oh, well, listen, I, that's all yeah. we can do. All we can do is keep, I mean, I don't know if people, uh, okay. are, people are slowly, that power, but we, people are slowly, but I, I mentioned, I mentioned to my wife several years ago about Bill Cosby and she's like, oh, that's not true. And I'm like – and I showed her some article on some website. And she's like, well, if this was true, why isn't it more well-known? And I remember saying to her at the time, I'm like, I have no idea why it's not. It's kind of crazy to me that it's not. Right. But like it's, it's like you can find it pretty easy with Google. And then, of course, Hannibal Buress had a stand-up set about him and that sort of yeah. spurred this whole thing. And, and, you know, and now Bill Cosby has been found guilty finally you know, way too late. So I agree with you that Michael Jackson you know, was problematic to, to use a <laughs> yeah. commonly used phrase that's, today. That's what Bill is <laughs> railing against. Don't call him problematic, but yeah, fine. Okay, whatever. The, but the point is that I, that has nothing to do with his performance as a musical yeah, artist. I literally yeah, can't even listen to his music, and it's not because the quality of it. And it's been like that since I was, you know, you know, a million years. All right, get off your high, get off your high horse. But, right, but Bill, so do, Bill, oh, wait, hold on. Bill in his article did de- did give some demerits towards the end for a couple groups for. Yeah. I think NW, NWA with anti-Semitism, I believe he knocks yeah. them down a peg, right? No, so, and like, I should have not... done more for that. And what happened, it's a very long article, and people know about But that was Chuck the Gary. songs themselves. Michael Jackson wasn't writing songs right. about sleeping with well, kids. Well, he like kind of was. I mean, but it... it the, well, we don't know well, what the song the, um, But honestly, I think a fair comment would be that on... Like, I wrote like a 10,000-word long article for on Chuck Berry that yes. went to all his stuff about a year ago and I've done stuff on Michael Jackson. So at those, I, I, I should have made some mention just to be consistent. Um, but kind of toward the beginning, I was writing really short because I wanted to write longer at the end. So um, mm-hmm. I, I think it's a fair comment that I could have put something in about that. About him. No, I, by the way, we're not, we're not even critiquing you. We're just yeah. more like, it's, it's hard. It's complicated. You know, because are we going to judge? There's 214 people. I'd imagine in these groups, bare minimum, there's 50 groups. That had someone whose you know behavior in 2018 would be considered monstrous. Oh right? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So so it's just like where do you, you know maybe it maybe if you start it never ends. So like then ha- you know I'm sure there's a there's a horrible person in uh, the top ten. Like do we kick him out altogether? So and I didn't me, even. Th- and what do you guys yeah. think about the Sun City issue? Like I didn't even get into that. Like there's probably six or eight people on the list too. After there was a UN boycott of Sun City and all the apartheid regimes in South Africa, there's six or seven of those people who still went and played in the face of the boycott. And 
I kind of was going to get into that, and then I kind of let that right. go. I mean, but also, there, but also we could draw a difference between people, say, awful politics versus, like, harming children or, or, or yeah, women. Murder right? like and stuff, yeah. yeah sure, yeah, mur- mur- actual murder, yeah. which some people probably did on yeah. this. So, <laughs> yeah, all right, but let's get, <laughs> let's get back to the music because I guess this, that could be an endless conversation. Um, did you right, think so there, what, there's two more artists? Yeah, you oh, sorry, go ahead, Keith. No, I, well, there's two more artists who you and I both have in our top twenty who Bill doesn't, which is Johnny Cash and you too. Mm, yeah, oh. I was about to ask about you too. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I mean, okay. Johnny Cash is one. Like I say in there, like I think I think you make the case for Richard Pryor as well. Miles Davis, Johnny Cash, Richard Pryor, like they're they're not rock artists, but they're rock stars in their own way. So um, yeah. and yeah, Johnny Cash could kind of go anywhere in a weird way since he isn't really a rock. He's not really a rock artist, but um, oh, and I forget where I put him, but you know Johnny Cash is the man. I mean, he's you had to admit eighteen, which is yeah. still pretty good. Yeah, I mean that's oh no, again, I know eighteen. Okay, you, sorry, I mean, that's my list. <laughs> rock and roll has been yeah. around now for what <laughs> six, 60, yeah. 60 years. Forty-five. Yeah, rock and roll has been around for sixty years, right? So if you're like mm-hmm. in the top sixty, you're you know the single most important artist of any year. So sure, you know, yeah, that's he's he's an amazing guy. Well, with with you two, I you know we're we're each in our we're each thirty four, and to us, I think you two is almost the closest thing to someone our you know to our parents would have you know a, a Rolling Stones, like the Stones. Or, yeah. or or the Who yeah um so to, it's almost it was almost jarring to see them low uh you know and fi- again like you said fifty six is in low that still puts you almost like in immortal yeah. territory but to you they're not a t- a tier one essential up there with those with those bands we mentioned and and I you know, know like you could make are, that case yeah I mean it's and they're 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 you know one of the bands um there's a few well, bands hold on bill can i can, bill can i assist you another sure. way if 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 bono dies in 1993 mm. is u2 <laughs> higher on your list that's <laughs> such a great question that is yeah. such a great question the um not that i'm wishing him yeah. on bono. <laughs> um well i would say after zoo tv that would have been um, a bad time to die by after zoo tv but before <laughs> pop <laughs> mm-hmm. so so the um you know, there's this there's this certain bands that I saw in a club, in a theater, in an arena, in a stadium. You know, so there's that that in my age group. You know, there's there's a few bands like The Police and REM and that that you just kind of watched. And you know, of course, I love REM. Excuse me, U2. And I've always said they're one of the, maybe I can't even think of someone else offhand. They're probably the only band that has any business playing stadiums. Um, they they. You know, and obviously, I mean, Zoo TV, I think, is a great, the whole Octane Baby era was a great era for them. They kept it going. And then, again, they're in the top 50 or so. I mean, so I don't want to, I don't like the idea that they're not like a top tier band. So, because Mm -hmm. they got to go somewhere. So, who am I going to replace? Am I going to replace The Who or Al Green or REM? And, um, but I kind of put REM a little bit more just because. They, REM was pretty high, to be honest, from yeah, where they're I like, thought, I'm looking because, they're at 42. And again, 42 yeah, and 56, for, I mean, you've got to remember, I mean, you know, because again, there's the Kinks and there's Smokey Robinson and yeah. and um, the Velvet Underground, you know, and you kind of want to. So so I don't accept the premise that they're that low, number one, but I do want to cop to the fact that there's a way. I don't know if it's familiarity breeding contempt or if it is that kind of insufferability as time went on and you just get to this point where they're touring under the blackberry name and at the same time he's got this billion dollar hedge fund and he's investing in palm or whatever and you get all these kind of crazy things but as a he also deserves props as a humanitarian i mean he's been a brilliant humanitarian so um well you do point out he's gotten pretty annoying recently 
Yeah, I mean, there's just obviously there's just something about him strutting around in his uh, his little sunglasses. But I'll tell you that the the, the tour the tour about three years ago was just the most technologically amazing thing I've ever seen. And they even put though, so much effort into, into their tour still, where they could just collect money and people would still come and hear them. You know, maybe they'd have to pay a little less, but they could, you know they put so much money into it. Like I'm a, we, but we just saw the um, then the latest one, which was the Joshua Tree tour. They yeah. they were out in a little platform in the middle of literally a football stadium. Okay, not an arena, football stadium. Just these four guys in the in a little tiny ring, and they held the place spellbound for six songs to start off the show. I mean, it's just a tour de force. I mean, they're just an amazing band. So, but I gotta say, I'm, I want to cop though. I do have this little bit of kind of. You know, between them and REM, I think I would always go with REM. Whereas in a lot of ways, U2 is objectively a better band. I mean, they're bigger. They they had bigger ambitions. They, you know, they took bigger chances, I think you can say. So, um, but th- so I, I want to acknowledge that you're putting your finger on a little bit of sensitivity there. And I, I don't like them as much as REM for some reason. It's funny because you're, 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 we're talking U2 and REM for a second. I, don't, I, I assume you're not familiar with it, but there's a podcast called You Talking U2 to Me. Have you ever heard of it? Yeah, it's a, it's a comedy podcast, and they finished it because the, the premise was uh, we're going to talk about an album, and it's very silly. You will not learn anything about you too, but it's a comedy podcast. But the premise is they're going to talk about an album, and they may spend twenty minutes. Uh, it's the actor Adam Scott and the comedian Scott Aukerman. Right. They, they, they spend they, they talk about an album each podcast, and they actually, even though it started as a joke where they make fun of the band, they actually got the entire band uh, for an hour in studio. Uh, a couple of years after the podcast started, and and you know he played the whole um, Age of Innocence, Age of one of them, one of those albums for them, uh, you know Bono after the podcast, and so they finished that, and people were saying, you know, well, there's nothing really more to discuss about you two until they put out another album, and even that's only one episode. So they started doing, I can't R-E-M. even say the name of the podcast, an REM top podcast. R- so R- it's interesting R- that R- that REM, you talking to me? I I say something I've heard about like this, that. but I've never tracked that down. You're right. Yeah, I mean, it's again, it's comedy. So for for someone who actually knows their stuff, you might get a little frustrated uh, hearing it. But it, it is it is funny. But the idea, I think, is that like those were sort of the two guys who were forty years old. Though you know, th- like those are the two bands that they go straight to pick to picking. I think like definitely you know lead some credence to like oh those are you know like the, the probably the, maybe the two bands from the nineties that have the most uh, sort of cultural relevance still. Although I will say, Bill, uh, my favorite band of all time, we haven't gotten to yet. Uh, and is also a 90s band. Um, wait, uh, is that a segue? No, I guess I'll segue. We'll <laughs> talk about it right now. My, my favorite band of all time, and I didn't put them one. That doesn't. I don't think they're the best band of all time. But my favorite band, if I could go to a concert tonight of any band on earth, it would be them, is Pearl Jam. You were a little tough on in the article. Yeah. Yeah, and Pearl Jam, again, another one of those bands like, you know, I saw them open for... Um, the Jayhawks. <laughs> wow. You know, I mean, they're just the, you know, these things and, and, you know, live, I mean, the first Lollapalooza tour they were on was incredible. And, you know, and when I look back objectively on their records, I mean, you know, for example, they're nowhere like U2. I mean, they, I mean, U2, for example, has these magnificent, um, whatevers and, and, um, so it, I think the time has kind of forgotten them a little bit. Um, but I do give them credit for being great rock stars. I mean, they fit, they fought Ticketmaster. They carried themselves with a great deal of um, principle, um, sometimes too much. But, you know, when you're inside that bubble, I mean, pe- one thing we got to remember is that it's hard being a rock star. And, you know, some people just really take to it. And other people have a really hard time with it. And um, and Eddie Vedder, you know, it could just be he comes across as a little um, pretentious when, in fact, he's just trying to keep his head down. Mm-hmm. Um 
And I think he's just a weird guy, and and uh, people you know read it too much into it. Where he you know he, he does right, he doesn't want to be that famous. He wants to be like on his weird farm in Washington, watching basketball and doing whatever he likes to do or whatever. Yeah, but he's very, and I really admire. I gotta say, I admire him. I, you know, I, and his I politics are a little um, was like he was so into Ralph Nader. His politics are a little tough. You know, we talk about Bono, but Bono's politics, even though he's loud about them, are pretty mainstream. Whereas his are like you know off the reservation, like. He's so weird, like, you'd assume he was a Bernie bro, but I don't even think he was. Like, yeah. he's, he's sort of all over that. He was on Team Jill Stein, maybe. He might uh-huh. have been, the truth is he might have been a Jill Stein guy, to be yeah. honest. Um, but the, sort of my case, if I was arguing for Pearl Jam, is there are very few bands on this list that could play Madison Square Garden three nights in a row. Uh, they didn't do this in MSG. They actually did this in Boston. But just, you know, to, to yeah. venue as an example, play 35 songs a night, never repeat a song all three nights, which they've done. They did it in Boston. I think. But Fish, Fish does that every year. Well, Fish year, plays I mean. eight songs. So first, the jam bands are different. Yeah. Pearl Jam plays 35 <laughs> yeah. songs. So yeah. Yeah. my point is that their ouvois is, is large enough that they could play 100 songs over three nights without repeating and have the entire arena, other than maybe like 1,000 or two casuals, who, ca- and, and have they, have, me, I, who came to hear Corduroy, have you know, you, um, every, everyone would be happy. Right, and they've dampened, and they do that really well. Um, do you think they've recorded a record as good as the Joshua Tree? Well, I think ten. I think you could put ten up with with just about any record. But I, I also don't think that their last three or four. Even though my actually my favorite my favorite Pearl Jam song ever is on their last album, a song called Sirens. Really? Um, I don't. Yes, I don't think. Yeah, when when they play it um, live, it's like a religious experience. It's pretty slow. Uh, you should check it out. Uh, okay, I will. Yeah, but, I'm gonna do it. Um, but but no, but their their post aughts albums are are not even on the same planet. Obviously. As as their '90s albums, but um, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because I think they were always like, had they really sort of tried to become super famous in the late '90s after like their fourth album, I, I always felt like they were on the cusp of like, if they just got a little bit bigger, like they could almost be at like, you know, never being considered to play the the Super Bowl halftime show type of thing. But they were maybe like, it wasn't an impossibility, but they never really reached. And I agree that they've really receded at this point. Uh, even, they're not that old, like they're you know because they started so young. Um, That's that a they're good point. still like you know they're they're still like they when you go to like you said U two is still great, but they're a solid ten years younger than than the U two group. So like they're they're from live from a live performance standard, they're they're still. I don't know if they have their A game, but definitely their A minus game. Uh, but you also had a great point, which is sort of like since we're talking more general rock and roll Hall of Fame stuff, that their drummer who was there when 10 came out and then was on like the three most crucial years in their history, Dave Abruzzisi, is not even in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And there's all, you go through, you do a great job in the article. There's dozens of these shenanigans <laughs> where we're basically, I think the rule is, correct me if I'm wrong, where if you're famous enough, you get to decide which band members get get in or not. But if you're not, sort of the hall decides for you. Is that right? right? And if you're buddies with, you know, Ahmed Erdogan right. and Dan Wenner, you can pull strings, right? And, and it just seems really awful to me because... Again, they were one of these bands, you know, Chicago was one of their hotbeds. So, you know, I've been backstage at their shows. I've talked to Eddie Vedder. I've been, you know, you know, in that period, I probably saw them 10 or 15 times. Right. And, you know, the, I thought, you know, they were the biggest band in the world. You know, they were front page news. Anything they did, they didn't give any interviews. You know, yada, yada. And Dave Abruzzese was in Pearl Jam. You know, it's like, it's like saying, yeah. oh, Ringo wasn't in the band or something like that. So it kind of right. really pissed me off about that. Um, and and it clearly hurt him too. Like you could see if you Google it, like he he was not, you know, he, yeah. he it would have meant a lot to him. Yeah. And he was like basically on message boards complaining about it. But Chester, what, you, what do you have? 
Oh yeah, sorry. Can I mention one other thing that that one because sure. because I, I like copying to things that if, if that aren't maybe one hundred percent right that that you know there's bands like Metallica you know who kind of have this thing and then all of a sudden they go oh we're gonna go mainstream and hire Bob Rock and do a big kind of slow our sound mm-hmm. down and go commercial and you know blah 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 and you got to give. And to your point that you're making, Pearl Jam really could have done that. Like, you know, their fourth record, they could have said, mm-hmm. hey, let's just do AOR, you know, front radio friendly music, you know, tell Brendan to really, you know, pop our songs and, you know, and they could have done that. So I, and paradoxically, they probably deserve props because one of the things I think about them is that they just haven't put out those great records anymore. They're, right. they're like not I would agree. bad, but I, I, and I'm going to, I called up Sirens while we're talking. I'm going to listen to it when we're done because I'm always looking for songs like that. But um, so it could be that there's a double standard there that maybe, you know, they could have gone commercial and didn't and deserve props for that. Um, mm. You mentioned Metallica. You were pretty rough on Metallica. I was surprised. I, I, I think when you're, when you're growing up, when we were growing up in the nineties, like every school had like two kids in every grade who lived for Metallica, who it was their number one favorite band. They could, it, I, I do think like if we were, to, if Alex and I were to make a list of like our friends' favorite bands, I think it would be Fish, Dave Matthews Band, and Metallica. Oh, you know, taking God. out, I mean, people might say the Beatles, but those of bands that were like very active in the '90s. Chester, would you agree? Those were like the three bands that you'd know multiple people in every grade in every school who were absolutely obsessed. With with those three bands, fish a little bit later, maybe yeah. closer to yeah. college. Well, the first, yeah, the, the first two is more specific to where we grew up, which is among you know like New York Jewish potheads. Sure, right. but, but, right. but yeah, uh, but uh, Metallica. <laughs> even if even if you hate Metallica, I feel like they they sort of like for whatever they are, they're sort of the best ever at it, right? Yeah, they to me, are. They like. And you they, almost have them in the in like you have them one seventy six, which to me is almost like the kind <laughs> of kind of shouldn't be in the hall range right where that's like the the maybe this person is questionable and then I, I, that's how i read your article and then by yeah. the time you get the two the 200s it's like these people obviously you know should never even made music um and, and they were they're one of those bands that like they're like totally fine what they do it's like i lived in san francisco for a long time mm-hmm. and like like journey and then um uh huey lewis sold like nine million records and yeah. life is miserable when you live in a town you know, and you're a writer when Huey Lewis sells 9 million records, you know, because that's all right. anyone talks about. And you go, I really don't care about Huey Lewis in the news, you know. So there's bands that you just live, you know, and so Metallica kind of steps up and, and, and tones down their song and hires this, uh, you know, this very stagey producer. And then, you know, lo and behold, has a hit, you know, which is great. And it just feels like people just haven't shut up about them ever since. And then they just immediately start showing up at the Grammys and showing up here and glad handing and, you know, but they always act tough, you know, they're always sticking to the man. But for some reason, they're always at the Grammys, you know, they're like, they're giving it to the man, but they're showing up for the award show. So I've always thought they're one of these bands that just totally grabbed into the spotlight and loves kind of strutting around. So you think they're kind of phony? Uh, Is that what you... Yeah. And then and you, the and you, I think you take thing multiple shots. Yeah. Well, that's interesting because we just talked about Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam sued Ticketmaster. Metallica right. sued their own freaking fans. Right. <laughs> they sued their own fans. That's crazy. I mean, and and the thing about it is, is that it's, I mean, it they were wrong, but it was also stupid. Like there's yeah. so many things they could have done. They could have gone to the record company and said, look, we don't want to have anything to do with this, but go after those motherfuckers. You know, they just, right. they were just these jut jod, you know, it's our money. They're or taking like, our money away. Like give us like a tenth of a, 
Right. Give us like a tenth of a percent of Napster or something. And they could have just had been a little open minded and thought about the technology and how they could have used it. And there's so many things they could have put their energy toward. And um, and of course, they got a big black eye for that. So, you know, they paid their price and yada, yada. But but when I see Lars, you know, you hate Lars. It's it's very apparent in the article. I just go like, why is this guy here? And like, you know, he's always inducting, you know, he's one of these guys who's always been sucking up to the hall and inducting mm-hmm. this or that silly band. And um, so, but it's fine. They have, the thing is, you got to understand, these guys have great lives. You know what I mean? Like everyone says, how could you say that with these guys? Let me tell you what life is like if you're in, what life has been like in Metallica for the past Oh, it's insane years, you know? how rich they life, are. It's life crazy is how rich pretty freaking good. So, like, I got in so much trouble when Jerry Garcia died because, like, Jerry Garcia's life, you know, sleeping till two, getting wheeled on stage, you know, playing for two hours, get, literally getting someone giving him a million dollars, you know, going back, eating a big meal, and then sleeping with any combination of people he wanted. I mean, that was Jerry Garcia's life. And um, he can take a little criticism. Yeah, I had the Grateful Dead quite a bit higher than you also. <laughs> um, I want to talk about... Um, Tupac is to me like he's the, the greatest uh, rapper of all time, or at least thus far that we've seen. I had him at number fifteen. Uh, you had him down at eighty-four. Is that just because it's it's not like rock and roll specific? Or? Yeah, I, I expect I, as I kind of said in there, and I don't want to claim that I'm you know I grew up through hip hop. I've written a lot about it. I, you know, obviously I can't. You know, I try to be honest and like I can't speak. You know, the hip hop thing. You know, the same way that that some other writers can. Um, but on the other hand, I kind of expect more out of him in a weird way, you know, that he he really was all these things. And, and the way people and I'm responding to a lot of criticism, too, and the way people are written about. So sometimes I think that might be a fault in my writing that I'm kind of writing against the the critical consensus on people. But you look at him and you think, well, if he was so great. Why was he friends with Suge Knight? You know, like they're not, Mm -hmm. you know, because again, we're not talking like, you know, a lot of these producers are scumbags and, you know, the guy who ran, uh, um, you know, Morris Levy was a gangster and people hang out with him and yada, yada, yada. But I'm telling you, I mean, it is really hard for me to square, you know, a guy who's standing, hugging this murderer, rapist, thug, vicious, sadist, you know, sociopath, right? And so, um, you know, it's not, and that's not a secret. Like they, you know, you can, there's films of this guy running people over with his truck, you know, beating the shit out of someone in the lobby of a casino in LA, in Las Vegas, right? Like how, how hard is it, you know, to not be part of a gang, you know, thumping of another guy in the lobby of a casino in Las Vegas? I mean, these are very low standards. So, um, I, I kind of hold him to a higher standard, I think. And, um, I, you know, I've, over the years, I've spent a lot of time listening to him, and sometimes I really like the songs, and sometimes I think he's a little overrated. Um, but he does have a great voice, and boy, he is a really good rapper. Well, look, I mean, I, I agree with you. Like, you know, I've always th- – I've been annoyed. Like, there was a Tupac uh, 30 for 30 documentary, which annoyed me because it was sort of like this apologetics and, like, even blaming – like, it was blaming the women who accused him of, like, harassment and assault by – like, they had some uh, female reporters say, well, a lot of women wanted to be near Tupac. It was, like, really offensive, I thought. And, and and frankly, you know, Eminem is another example of an artist who I've always loved Eminem from his music as a person, you know, you know, maybe he's changed now a little bit as he's gotten older, he's mellowed out. But the person he was 10 or 15 years ago was hard to justify, seemed like a pretty horrible person, but his, his music was, was incredible. And that's what I respected. Let's sort of jump to the bottom of your list for a second. Um, look, the way I did my list, there's about 40 or 50 artists in the Hall of Fame I've never even heard of, to be honest. And so like... As an example, like number two fourteen for me was Sam and Dave, because that sounds like two guys I know who are brothers. I don't know what that is as a band. But your the bottom of your list was bands that everybody's heard of. 
but uh, you know, bands that, that you have an issue with. So, so let's start with uh, number two fourteen on your list, which is Bon Jovi. So, <laughs> my take is, you know, I, I, I might, I might live in New Jersey. I'm not a Bon Jovi fan, but the reality is that, you know. They're famous rock stars, and so them being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, look, being ahead of Radiohead this year was was probably really dumb, but them being in the Hall of Fame does not offend me as much as it offends you. So really? Expand wow. on your, your hate for, for but, Bon Jovi. But, I mean, you know that they don't write their own songs. Like, like that's the one thing. Like, if everyone said, oh, Living on a Prayer, written by Desmond Child, sung by John Bon Jovi, you know, you know like, they, they, they kind of are one of those bands that just kind of pretends to be a rock band, and they're really not. I mean, they're just, you know, they, they put out these records and nobody could do anything with them. And they find out, well, your songs suck. And they go, okay, well, we'll get some other people to write our songs for us, you know. And it's just hard to <laughs> accept that. And the fact that, you know, he sold, you know, they sold, um, they had a couple of really big records, right? And then they've been kind of coasting ever since. And you have to understand, like, from the industry point of view, like, way back in the... I forget when it was. I don't know if they're in the '90s or what. But like Billboard would do these huge stories about you know Bon Jovi's new. Remember the remember the album that had the big smiley face on it, but was a frown. Mm-hmm. What was that record? Um, yeah, yeah. But but you know like that was part of like a six month worldwide marketing plan and branding. And you know there were one of these bands like really early on. It's like okay, let's spend all our money, um, let's spend all this time on like worrying about our you know instead of just putting out good records and yada yada and and it just seems like they've just been coasting on this ever since and nobody and nobody i, I can't even remember reading a review of a bon jovi record much less a positive review like nobody right it would be it weird to review as, a bon jovi record yeah nobody I, I like treats it like it's actual quality and and i'm totally about fame i love fame and i love the idea of what that says about our society but then there's people who really aren't they don't even say anything about our society there's people who kind of weasel their way in kind of sideways into the the pop subculture and they okay but then but hold on but let's move up one spot that you have queen at 213 i think queen did say something about our society and they were very important then, by the way this is probably years. i don't know if you but did anybody give did any of uh any artists or people like directly involved give you uh feedback after this article came out Oh, the actual artist? No, um, but or, a lot or, of fans like did. People... Oh okay. my God! Yeah, no, I. But was so. What was God. the most unpopular opinion? And was it Queen? Because when I posted this before, multiple people immediately said, "Wait, Queen two yeah, thirteen? Queen, like, Queen's is, a real is it counting up sensitive <laughs> is a real sensitive subject, you know." And right and, now, they, they, the you know the uh, the movie is coming out, yeah. and they just released the trailer with the Mister Robot guy. And the, the but isn't this isn't this the one like it's not like wasn't it was Sasha supposed Baron to be Sasha Baron Cohen? The, the ba- Brian May and company wanted it to be about like well what happens after Freddie dies right? Uh, which is I think what, the, it was, what I, I thought I thought like that it wasn't going to be like sort of like dark enough and it was, they were trying to like just paper over everything and so that's why Sasha Baron Cohen dropped out. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Well, yeah, but, but they wanted yeah. the, like I think he wanted the movie to end basically when Freddie Mercury dies and they didn't. Uh, but, and the, the kid is a great actor. I, I'm playing on his name, but the guy from Mr. Robot. Yeah, that, that cool guy, yeah. But but the the um the trailer came out, and the basically it was a rapturous reviews. Like, people are – this is probably going to be a really big movie. So Queen is even going to, like – you know, you said – you know, uh, you called them the most overrated band in history. This They might become even more overrated in a year from now because this, this movie might blow up for them. You know, I want to stipulate you could be 100% right. And I also would like it recognized that the number of times, oh, everyone's saying it's going to be so good. Oh, my God, there's going to be a big story in the New York Times. Oh, my God, there's going to be a story of it on the cover of Rolling Stone. And then nobody ever hears about it again. Okay, so. Oh, it's it's possible they just they cut a two minute trailer 
that's amazing for a movie that stinks. That's certainly possible. Yeah, I mean, and you just, this just goes on so, you know, that's like the whole point. Like I was talking to someone the other day, I don't know if you remember when um, the guy from The Sopranos, David Chase, did a movie. Remember that no. movie he did? He did a feat. Yeah, you don't. It was the front of the Times art section. You know, every, oh, David Chase, the, the beginnings of rock and roll. It's going to be this thing. That's all you heard about for six months. And then the movie comes down and, like, I don't think it played three days and it closed. And you yeah, can't even, even find word of it. it. So this happens all the time that, you know, the fact that these bands with good marketing departments are good at marketing something before people see it. Um, so, but you could be right. I want to stipulate that. So, but, but the songs have, have the, the, first of all, it feels like Queen is bigger in Europe, right? But the songs still are in like, we'll rock you still exists. And we're the, like all these, some of these songs really have transcended, uh, like, you know, have moved on to this next generation. Right. But you forget there really was a long down period. They played in Sun City and in, it was right around the time that the Suns, you know, I ain't going to play in Sun City and all that happened. And um, their their reputation really went down in America after, you know, they really got kind of flatulent, like fat bottom girls and bicycle race. I mean, even by queen standards, they started putting out completely stupid songs. And then and so kind of in America, it's like, OK, great. <laughs> Don't worry about that. But excuse me, they are so huge in England. I mean, they've always been this, you know, this massive big band back there. But, you know, a lot of, you know, England has bad taste in music. I mean, like that, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> And so, um, and then he dies and then it becomes this thing. And, and I got to tell you that this to me is the low part of the low point in the history of rock and roll because MTV was a big deal back then. And it was like this five hour show and I watched it and I taped it and I watched it again. I wrote a big piece for the Chicago reader back in the day and they did not talk about AIDS and they didn't talk about homosexuality. They didn't mention it. Yeah. Famously. And sure. Fuck those guys. I mean, you know. <laughs> That I, you know, Freddie Mercury do you think was super is, rich. I wonder if it's going to be in the movie even because it was such a big deal. I doubt. Yeah, and all be, these right? movies, it's just like the the NWA movie is so antiseptic that that big documentary on HBO about um, Dre and Jimmy Iovine. You know, they paper over all mm -hmm. this stuff. You know, like like Snoop Dogg. Well, when the people who it's about are involved in the production, yeah, of right? It, it's right. Just and they are for the Queen the movie for sure. Yeah, it's just going to be ridiculous. So, um, but it, you know, they they could have just said. You know, there's so, I mean, there were people dying in the streets and, and you know, Freddie Mercury was rich. You know, he could fuck anybody yeah. he wanted and, you know, and then he's rich and he could hide his sexuality and hide his disease and that's fine. But they could have just stepped up and said, there's a lot of people who didn't have what Freddie Mercury had out there and we got to go find those people and take care of them. And nobody said anything about it. And everyone was there. Elton John was there and Def Leppard and David Bowie and George Michael and I think I mean, to, I wrote a big piece. This is the death of rock and roll. This, you know, where they're dancing on each other's graves, and um, this isn't what rock and roll is supposed to be. So that's wow. my position on Queen. Just you know, wow. All right, Chester. What other bands that that uh, that Bill has in the bottom twenty or fifty that uh, you think are controversial? Well, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. He, uh, you both have in like the bottom ten. Well, I was shocked that they were in the Hall of Fame when we started this whole. I know. I article. Me too. <laughs> it's kind of shocking. <laughs> And if really Hillel Slovak, I mean, I would, Hillel Slovak's in the I would argue band. they were one of the top five bands when we were in high school. Keith, you mentioned like Metallica. they were popular, but they weren't good. They, I don't think, I don't think they were even on the level of Metallica. Certainly not Pearl Jam. I would put Soundgarden ahead of them. I would put Alice in Chains and Jane's Addiction and so every '90s band. I would in terms James, of quality. James is a really good band. I mean, they're yeah. adventurous and they 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 sold a lot of records playing adventurous record. But you know, Perry Farrell isn't in there. You know you know, sucking up to all these guys in New York. And you can just tell that the Peppers do, you know, they, they, well, they also um, had longevity. They're still around. 
uh, you know, and they're at, at the Lakers games and they're, you know, they're still like part yeah, of the culture. They play the game of, really, really well. well. I mean, a lot of the 90s bands they were competing with are, you know, the lead the lead singer is generally dead for most of those bands. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And they're, you know, and that's the way fame works. And um, but but again, they get, you know, again, they get all the money. They get all the girls. They're in the Rock Hall of Fame. I get to say that they're bozos. You know, I mean, it, someone should stand up occasionally um, and say this. And, and, and again, I'm this critic and I've been around critics and I've seen the, the chili peppers in New York and Chicago and in San Francisco. And I've been with critics and nobody, nobody says, Oh my God, we have to go see the red hot chili peppers or, Oh, you know, and, you know, and by the way, actually, they probably put on a good concert, right? I, I think you'd fine. have a good time at their concert. But they used to be really frat boy and really, you yes. know, like, oh, let's pick up a girl from the audience and hold her upside down and spank well, the, her people, ass. People, everyone and, knows about the sock stuff, what they would just play with the yeah, socks. But even that's fine. Like that. But I mean, their whole thing was, to me, was very frat boy and very uh-huh. um, interesting. Um, and, and again, and, that's another cultural thing that, you know, um, there are some bands. But I think Grand Funk, for example, should be in the Hawk and Wall Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Um, and. And one of the fun things, I don't know if you like Grand Funk, but, but they, like they would play shirtless on stage and they're all really well muscled and, you know, the tight pants and the, you know, they're not like most rock bands, you know, they're not scrawny little. Um, and so they're, they're kind of culturally weird to me. They always kind of struck me as kind of a frat boy, tough guy band, but God, they really rocked it on out and they were a huge band for a long time and they probably deserve to be in there. Can but I tell you my uncool. favorite review in the whole, by, by the way, Inside Baseball from Bill. There's a lot of good reporting. You spoke to a lot of people for this piece, right? The the inside yeah, baseball really for Chili Peppers is their manager um, is Cliff in Bernstein. is on the nominated committee. Yeah, there's the, so the much selection yeah. committee. Yeah, which it seems like there's a lot of that, right? It's it's a lot of who you know gets you in. And, and there I was thought... some weird scandals, right? Also, where like the the famous one I think with with um, Jan Wenner uh, basically like deciding not to put in what was it the Dave, Dave Clark, Clark Five? Five. Yeah, that over, story. Um... Yeah, over Grandmaster Flash or something like that. But um, let yeah. me let me read let me read Bill's the best the the, uh, the best takedown he has. It's at one ninety four. Bill Withers, who I'll admit I did not uh, know who he was before this. Here's here's the complete uh, review. Ain't no sunshine. Oh, I. Okay, oh, he, Bill, oh, okay. I, he's ain't no sunshine. Then I do know him. Uh, anyway, he writes answerable to nobody as rectitudinous an artist as soft rock has produced. Still, while there are a few nice songs in his ouvroir bes- beside the hits he's known for, he is not a person of particular substance. That's that's a fatality in Mortal Kombat. You killed him. Yeah. He's dead. Yeah. And he's cool. You know, he did Ain't No Sunshine. He did. Um, he did. Um, um, you know, what's that kind of bounce your upbeat song? Um, oh, uh, Lean On Me. Oh, OK. When you're not strong. And he actually has a couple songs. You know, he says a couple songs about growing up in Chicago and stuff like this. But, you know, over the years, I had all his records. And but he's, he's kind of cool because he's completely outside the cool people. He never talked to people. Mm-hmm. He's this black guy. He was I think he was in the army. He was working construction, starts playing songs, did his thing. Never took shit from no one. He's Aaron Gleeman's favorite artist, by the way. So, Keith, I didn't know you hit. Yeah. Wow. Um, let me ask another one who was sort of the, you. You guys both had him ranked around the same place. And I, it's funny. So I have Withers at 76, Keith, you have him at 200, and Bill, you have him at 194. And then we all have someone else at the basically the exact same place. I have Cat Stevens at 73, Keith, you have him at 199, and uh, Bill, you have him at 192. So Cat Stevens, you know, again, is he that significant? No. But, you know, he had he had a, a bunch of sort of calming, pleasing songs yeah. in, the, in the late 60s and early 70s. Yeah, and, and, I, and I love that stuff. And um, sometimes... I, you, when you're moving the list around, you go, is he better than him? No. Is he better than him? No. And, you know, they keep going down. <laughs> so, um, yeah. but I kind of have affection for him. I mean, there's some of these people down at the bottom I like, 
but I just think, God, I just don't think they should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you know, like, like Metallica's down there, but I mean, I like Bill Withers, you know, I like Buddy Guy, he's below Metallica, mm-hmm. and Cat Stevens, I, and Green Day, you know, I lived in Berkeley for a long time, and, you know, I'm, I understand those guys, but, uh, you know, just as a critic, I just think, you know, they were kind of like a generation past Nirvana, and, you know, Nirvana had sort of gone back to the garage, and then five years later, Green Day says, okay, we're going to go back to the garage, and then... I think they just kind of disappeared in a weird way. And I just think, like I say, I think history is going to forget them. I, I think that 10 years from now, people are going to say, who's Green Day? All right, so let's let's talk about a band that I really like that you clearly, from your right up to now, and that's The Doors. Doors are another one of those weird bands that I know that people love them, <laughs> but they come on the radio sometimes, and I stare at the radio, I go, why? Come on, come on, come on, touch me now. I mean, just, this is the silliest thing I've ever heard. And... Um, <laughs> um, and you know, Riders on the Storm, which is a great sounding record, right? That's a great sounding track. Yeah. Um, Light My Fire yeah. is one of the greatest rock songs of all time. I acknowledge that. Um, but they're, you know, they just seem to me, and they're also one of those bands when I was growing up, you know, I'd get that new record. I get, not new, because I was too young to do that, but I would, one by one, I would get all their records because I had to understand the doors. And I always remember thinking, what is, why, Morrison Hotel? Why is anyone listening to this stuff, you know? Um, and, and again, as a critic, Here's something that people should understand that good critics like actually follow the artist. So like, I don't know if you've ever listened to a Steve Miller band album, but they are ridiculous. I mean, every track sounds different. There's like hokey kind of dance holly stuff and then a rock song and then a, I mean, it's just crazy. Like every, he doesn't put out coherent out records with the possible exception of Fly Like an Eagle. So critics, you know, like year after year, we get the Elvis Costello records and you know, we go back and we listen to the Bill Withers records or whatever. And you you just got to say like, hey, this guy put out six records and basically there's those hit songs and that's it. You know, so so I do get churlish because I spent all the time going through and um, mm. um, and people are like, oh, angry but at them for not trying for, for not. Yeah. You know, the Doors have the Val Kilmer movie. We just talked about the Queen movie. What band of uh, of all the you know hundred plus bands on this list do you think is is ripe for a really great movie? Oh, that's so interesting. Well, it's so hard, right? Because because the because the family or the rights always get involved and they take away yep. all that. Right. You know? If you can't, right? Because um, you need the music. Uh, let me ask you about Billy Joel. I think you're right that um, we didn't like we didn't start the fire is like just absurd. Oh, it's song. awful. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, uh, Billy Joel also sells out Madison Square Garden like 14 times a day. And that's he, right, uh, and just, he gets all the he, money. You have Bill has him at 185 for people who are not uh, looking at the list. I, I've never understood Billy Joel. He's such a, sh- a, a, a he's such a hack. You know, it's like, hey, I'll do a ballad. Hey, I'll do a rock song. Hey, I'll do a jazz song. You know, he just he'll just do anything. He mugs. He you know, I, I just you ever read the Chuck Klosterman Billy Joel profile? Um, no, that's not the New Yorker one. There was one in the New Yorker recently. And I was it in Esquire. I, you know, it was oh, it was. I think he did two actually, Chuck Klosterman. Um, but anyway, it's so dorky. He's just talking about how he's like not been successful in relationships, and it makes you want to give like Billy Joel a wedgie. He's just like a very yeah. big dork in the article. <laughs> yeah, he just—I don't know. He's like, to me, he's like one of these lost people because you could make the same case about Elton John, but I just feel like Elton John has integrity. You know, he just—you know—when people like a couple times Elton John, he was attacked in the British press for supposedly having child sex parties, or and mm. he just said no. Absolutely not. I'm not going to put up with this. And he sued the paper and he got retracted. You know, like when he'll do yeah. whatever he wants, but when someone stands, you know, senses something wrong, he, he goes to the mat. And 
I just get the sense that Billy Joel is kind of squishy and he doesn't have a spine. And, you know, and I'm talking as an artist, you know, whereas Elton John in yeah. a weird way has had this goofy um, integrity. And also Elton John is a mysterious person because he doesn't write his own lyrics. So to me, he's kind of like hiding in plain sight. And Billy Joel kind of, you know, he'll, he'll just say anything. So, but I know a lot of people like him. A lot of my friends were mad at me about the Billy Joel man. Bill, uh, who's the biggest? Who's the biggest omission uh, besides Radiohead? We, we've mentioned a couple times already. Uh, the band that abs- and Whitney Houston and Whitney Houston, uh, a band yeah, that Whitney needs Houston, yeah. band that needs to be in is eligible but is not in yet. In your mind, yeah. One thing I don't understand is Warren Zevon because Warren Zevon is you know he was tight. I don't want to say tight, but he was a guy. You know, he was friends with Letterman. You know, he was kind of part of that world, and you know he's a brilliant talent. I mean, obviously, and he was totally rock and roll and he elevated the California sound into this kind of irony and magic realism and weirdness. And um, so him, for example, and then the other two I mentioned, which I think is one of the biggest hall failings is they don't like gay guys and they don't like guys who um, confuse, confuse sexuality. So they don't like glam people. There's no T-Rex and stuff like that. And I mm-hmm. think that Todd Rundgren and Roxy music, I think are the best example because Roxy Music is one of the most influential bands of all time. I, you know, and you just kind of go, wow. Um, and the way the Hall of Fame works is, you know, there's all those record company industry weasels and then there's a whole bunch of critics, but the critics are all these Rolling Stone guys, you know, who are very, mm-hmm. and, and there's a few outliers, there's a few women, there's a few black writers, but, you know, the critical mass is of these, you know, 40, 50 and 60 something Rolling Stone guys who know what Yan Winter wants. And they're the ones who say, oh, you know, the new R.E.M. record, they're back in top rock and roll form. And the new Bruce record, back in top rock and roll form. You know, that you believe that every single album, you know, by all these guys is always a great, you know, they're back. Their best record since Some Girls, you know, his best record mm-hmm. since Tunnel of Love, you know. So, um, and they just don't like guys who dress up like girls. They don't like kind of postmodernism, like the Roxy music thing. Remember like some of the guys would have um, their hair slicked back like rockabilly. And then you have a guy like Eno dressed like, you know, a fed, a parrot or something like that. And you have Brian Ferry, who's like a lounge lizard. They don't get that. And um, so, so I don't understand. And Todd Rundgren, I think, you know, he's a genius. He's written all these great songs. He was a great producer. People don't know. He produced Bad Out of Hell. He produced We're an American Band. He produced Skylarking. I mean, he's just this genius. And, they, they, you know, they don't, they don't like him because Todd kind of dressed weird. He dressed like a girl and streaked his hair and, um, you know, put makeup on his face. And they kind of didn't like people like that unless you're like David Bowie and you, you know, you can't. And even David Bowie, they waited like five years after he was eligible, which, which is a real crazy thing. So I think there's a discomfort with uh, homosexuality and gender questioning. And it's almost entirely male also, the Hall of Fame, right? It's like 90-something oh, percent all the, yeah. or some crazy number. Yeah, and it's really – and it's not so much getting women into the Hall of Fame because I think they've been pretty good about that. But it's just that female sensibility. And, you know, women just – you know, they have – they're it's, – it's, it's really crazy. I mean this to me is the biggest Hall scandal of all time is that, that there's not female representation on the nominating and voting because that's a completely different sensibility. And it's just sort of – it seems, there are no women, or you're saying they're very. I mean, just I mean, just like you know, there used to be like forty or fifty nominators, and there'd be like three women, and now there's like oh, twenty okay. nominators, and there's like two women. It's just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. All right, Chester, do you have one more question for Bill? All right, well, so actually, actually, this question is more for you than for Bill. Even um, Aerosmith to me is like is like a poor man's Stones. 
So I'm not saying that they're the homeless man. You have them in, like homeless man. <laughs> you have them like fourth from the bottom. Yeah, they wow. stink. Yeah, I, they're yeah. bad. I don't like them. They shouldn't be in the Rock and Roll <laughs> of Fame. They're like, I mean, Dream On is a great song. I don't like Dude Looks Like a Lady, but at least like they have some successful songs. But they're an embarrassment now. Like, look, look, I, I, that's <laughs> well, now a lot of these it. feel like you're trying to be cool to get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And that is a little bit of a theme of of the articles. Like something like, uh, you know, the, the one person that that Bill complained that Bill said, like, it would basically ruin the Hall of Fame if he gets in is L. Cool J. Right. And it's, it's just like showing up the Grammys and acting dorky and like, yeah, well, you know, we'll He's do anything like that, yeah. you know, the like, you know, corporate America asked him to do. Uh, if going on American Idol when it's bad and being the host or whatever, uh, you know, he did. It, it's ridiculous. Like, Aerosmith stinks. Yeah, they're just they're worse than Journey, who is who is Bill's like second or third, you know, bottom bottom. So, Bill, team. talk to me about um, Van Halen and Guns N' Roses are two bands, <laughs> you know, two very popular bands in the 80s who you have pretty low. Yeah, on and, list. and Guns N' Roses, I mean, they talk about an amazing live band. I mean, they were just undeniable. They're a great rock band at their best. They've got one of the greatest songs of all time, you know, uh, um, you know, the ballad, whatever it was called, and then several other really good songs. And then, boy, did things go bad for them. And, and yeah, I know that Axl Rose probably has mental issues, and I don't want to make fun of that and stuff like this, but um, they just, I mean, they just, they just didn't carry themselves well enough. I mean, they basically put out two decent records of material, and it's been like, what, since, um, what are we talking about, the late 80s at this point, so 30 years. And, um, you know, and they were popular, but but again, like managing this horse, this wild horse running, which they've done, you know, incompetently, is that's kind of different from being a good rock star or not. Um, but I've seen them again since the very beginning, and I ha- I do have this grudging respect. And I saw them in Chicago, I guess two summers ago at Soldier Field, you know, and they finally got their act together, you know, and 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 you know, after all these years, someone went to Axel and said. Okay, what part of get on stage, play your greatest hits, come off, and we'll give you $2 million do you not understand? You know, and so finally that got through his thick head, and they got up on stage and they played their hits and walked off and, you know, got their, and, you know, and I hope you understand when I say got their $2 million, I mean like each member of the band. People don't appreciate the money. You play 60,000 people, $100, $200 tickets. Okay, did you do the math? That's between six and $10 million grosses. So they're literally taking, each million to $2 million paychecks. So um, it's just, you know, when you go, how hard is that to do? So at a certain point, you got to go, wow, these people just really aren't up for it. So, um, but again, they get all the money. They, they, they do well. And Journey, and, oh, and, but to go back to Aerosmith, Aerosmith is kind of like Grand Funk. You know, they were this cool band in the 70s that did their own thing. Aerosmith was very American Stones, you know, and there's a big difference between being the Rolling Stones and getting beaten up in the street and being Aerosmith and people, oh, cool, you guys are like the Stones from 10 years ago, right? So you can't say they were that innovative, but they did have some good songs and they deserve their 70s reputation as a, you know, it's a decent American hard rock band in the mid 70s, right? And then, you know, again, you know, they didn't write Dude Looks Like a Lady. That's Desmond Child. You know, they brought in these outside songwriters and Geffen said, look, you've got a good brand. Let's make some money off of it. And then, you know, Steve, um, uh, you know, those guys who were almost, living on the streets they said oh yeah maybe that's a good idea and then they got their act together so all right so bill i got i got three more bands okay. to ask you about quickly um eric clapton is that just because like he's cream is on like he's on yeah. so many times so that's just he's complicated and i and i have so much respect for eric clapton on so many levels he's been through a lot and 
you know, and it really is true. You know, he's a tormented guy. He didn't over and over again. He said, I don't want to be famous. And he dropped out. You know, he could have, you know, he could have been the biggest career of anyone. You know, he could have just sailed from literally from 19, what, 68 till the present day. And it really took him a while before he got to the point like he is today where, you know, he's avuncular. He's nice. He does all his concerts. He tours with B.B. King with Stevie Winwood and he does whatever he wants and he's great. But um, somewhere in there, I don't think he should be in there three times. And um, But I realize it's kind of hard because, you know, you can't really put Layla, you can't put Derek and the Dominoes in because they only put out one, you know, they put out a live record and Layla. So, but Layla's one of the greatest records of yeah. all time. So you know what I mean? Band, and then Blind Faith put out one of the greatest records of all time, but that was kind of a one-off. And so I understand it's a little hard with him and someone could say, well, if we don't put him in as a solo artist, then we don't get Layla and Blind Faith in. And you go, yeah, but then... You know, he's already in with the Yardbirds. And like, so sometimes I think they, with some of these bands like the Yardbirds, maybe they should have said the Jeff Beck Yardbirds. That's the Yardbirds. Fuck Eric Clapton. Fuck Jimmy Page. You know? <laughs> oh, and yeah. same with the Drifters. You know, they should have, um, the, I forget the guy's name of the Drifters who did on Broadway. They should say, that's the Drifters. The other Drifters, they got to get in on their own or something like that. So, but those are the really complicated things. And those guys in the Hall of Fame, I mean, they've been grappling with this for, you know, for, for 30 years now. So um, it is a little. But but still, Eric Clapton hasn't done much since you know the late seventies. So let's remember that. All right. So my last question for you, and this one I sort of reacted the way my wife did. I think with uh, like Madonna and Michael Jackson, Simon and Garfunkel. Uh, you know, t- I have him at number fourteen. You have him all the way down at one hundred five. Wow. So explain 14? that fourteen. Uh, is their music groundbreaking? Breaking? I guess it's not. That's fair. Wow. Right. But they also have like two dozen just amazing songs. Yeah, they're hard, and I ended up putting Paul Simon higher as a solo. Yeah, artist, just yeah. because poor, poor Art Garfunkel getting the short end of the stick is Well, Art Garfunkel is an amazing guy, and you know people sneer at him, but he, you know, he's a great figure and he's a, a cool guy. And um, and like I say, I I like go, I you know Paul Simon shows are always great. Simon Garfunkel shows are always great. And like I, if people haven't seen him, you know Art Garfunkel is like this big Labrador, and he's so happy, and his like his his tongue is literally. Like, oh, this is so great. I get to sing, you know, uh, uh, Bridge Over Troubled Water. And and, Art, and and Simon is like this grumpy cat. He's like this fat cat who's sitting there scowling and he's got this happy dog. And it's kind of a weird thing. So, um, but I like Simon Garfunkel, but I just kind of, you know, like, Paul Simon is no Bob Dylan. Like, he's got this coterie and they always try to make him seem like, oh, he's a serious writer like Bob Dylan. And, and I don't think he is. But Bridge Over Troubled Water is one of the greatest songs of all time. And, um, but I, I think his other stuff, it just kind of strikes me as thin, but you know, by the time of Graceland, I mean, you have to Graceland and Rhythm of the Saints, right? I mean, you gotta, who, I, I can't argue with those records. I mean, those are very powerful, adventuresome, cool records. And he, and I even kind of like him because, so like Linda Ronstadt was one of those idiots who played at Sun City. Okay. And again, just to remind people. The UN, there was an international boycott saying you shouldn't play in these apartheid casino cities while black people are like dying in the sun 10 miles away, right? In a, in a fascist regime. And so Linda Ronstadt goes and plays Sun City anyway. And, um, and so, but then she's Paul Simon's friend and he put Linda Ronstadt on Graceland, which is this album that celebrates African music, you know? And so in a weird way, I disagree with it, but I kind of think it's kind of punk rock. It's like, she's my friend fuck you guys, you know? So, so there's ways in which I kind of admire his grit. Um, 
But some of his records, I mean, every once in a while you say, oh, I got to put on one of those old records on. And, you know, outside of the hits, there's not that good. But on the other hand, it's are beautiful. So in the end, I kind of went with Paul Simon over Simon, but just because I think he's... All right. Well, uh, Bill, thank you so much. Uh, this was great. Uh, you know, the article was great. And uh, thanks for diving into it with us. Uh, you know, uh, Bill, uh, you're on Twitter at... Hitsville, at Hitsville. Uh, we'll, we'll post mine and Akiva's and Bill's rankings 1 to 214, but you should really read those articles because he has like a full paragraph or more on each of the artists, and especially for the ones who I know so little about. It was, it was pretty cool and educational. So thanks a lot for joining yeah, thanks I so really enjoyed time. talking to you guys. Yeah, I can't wait to see your list too. I'll check it out and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll okay. humiliate you on Twitter. And enjoy also. Pearl Jam Sirens, although it is better as a live song. <laughs> in a... I literally got it queued up here. I literally have it queued up. Maybe, maybe view like the, uh, the, I saw it in Vienna, so maybe watch the uh, Vienna uh, live version if you don't like the uh, if you don't like the original. <laughs> He's got to see the exact one that you saw. Too. Well, yeah, that, that, <laughs> that makes like sense. A... That makes perfect sense. <laughs> you guys, I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Bill. Really appreciate okay. it. Okay.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.